Did your heart sink when you heard that we were calling a time of prayer and fasting? Not if there's cake tonight. Thankfully, it doesn't start till Wednesday, Lent, does it? It's true. Good. It didn't. It, sorry? After the pancakes. Because it, it can be a little bit challenging. It can be a little bit challenging, can't it? But we've called the church to a time of prayer and fasting through Lent. Um, in previous years, we've done some different things. We've asked people to, to give out instead of giving up. And we've asked people to do the... Um, the 40 acts where we actually do something positive uh, for people we come across rather than going through this this act of, of giving something up and fasting. Um, but this year, it seemed right to us to call a time of prayer and fasting at our leaders' conference, our leaders' retreat. You all know the classic scripture. If, you, if you've read the Bible about Jesus and his fasting, in Matthew 4, 1 and 2, uh, we read that Jesus was led out by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil... Sounds good. And then after 40 days of fasting, 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Seems a bit superfluous, that second verse, doesn't it? Should we re- was that even, even need to be said? A statement of the obvious. And yet together with verse 1, it tells us quite a lot. It tells us a lot. So why? Why would Jesus want to fast? Why would he want to make himself physically weak before a big challenge? Did he really fast for that long? What kind of fast did he undertake? There's lots of answers that we can look at this, and, and we can see a lot of things in the Old Testament, but also things in the New as well, uh, that make us kind of ask, well, should we fast? Do we need to fast as Christians? Uh, if so, how? And, and for how long? But the very first thing I want, really, to get into is our attitude, because this is absolutely key our attitude when we fast. Now, here's an interesting bit from Isaiah. And yes, the people of God had been um, not really behaving as they should. And, and But they'd been fasting, they said, and nothing's happened. Well, this is what the prophet says. So he's talking about Israel, who are saying, why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves, and you have not noticed? Yet... On the day of your fasting, you do as you please, and you exploit all of your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife, and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I've chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke? To set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see him naked? To clothe them and not turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then, your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, Here I am. It's not surprising that actually 
when speaking through the prophet, you know, God talks about fasting and says, look, you know, it's not about looking good. It's not about lying in sackcloth and ashes, but at the same time still carrying on arguing with your neighbors. The kind of, of fast I'm looking for is about all these things of caring for others. And it brings us back to that whole issue of what is God's heart? What does God expect of us as Christians? What does God expect of our religion? To walk humbly with God, to act justly and love, you know, love justice and show mercy. It's what it says in Micah is the kind of religion he wants. So there's some harsh words there for the, the people of God in their fasting. Um, they've, they've been complaining that God's not been doing uh, what they've asked to, and yet look at their attitude. They've been doing as they please. They've been exploiting their workers, quarreling and arguing, physically fighting even. What an example that is. And so the Lord says, how can you expect to be heard? And only one day as well. Now, you might think that's a bit of a challenge anyway. Um, but, you know, that's nothing out of the ordinary for people then in that time because they had already, as part of the law, setting a day aside for God anyway on the Sabbath. Now, there was feasting in the Sabbath. That wasn't a time of fasting. But you know what? Perhaps a little bit more was needed, a little bit more. No, the Lord has another idea of what constitutes acceptable fasting. Uh, and it's something that starts in our hearts and changes our attitudes of how we look at and how we deal with other people. It starts with a true self-denial. That's what all of those good points were about. They're about putting others first. It starts with our heart attitude and works the way outwards. And Jesus says this to his disciples. He says, when you fast, okay, take notice of word one, when, not if, when. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces and show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they've received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen. And your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So our attitude then is not to carry on as the rest of the world does. Our attitude is to think about self-denial and put others first, and not a showy attitude. Very much like when Jesus talks about giving. It's not the showy giving of the Pharisees, but the quiet, humble giving of all she had of that one lady and her small coin. So why? Let's just run through quickly some some reasons why we would fast. Well, first and foremost, it's a biblical way to humble yourself. Okay, this isn't the, the fasting of hunger strike where you're trying to draw attention to yourself and draw attention to a point you're trying to make. And maybe that kind of fasting is what we've been used to hearing about in the world different people going on hunger strike. No, this is about a biblical way to humble ourselves before God. In Ezra, we read there, by the Hahava Canal, I proclaimed a fast so that we might humble ourselves before God and ask him for a safe journey for ourselves and for all our children and possessions. It helps with intercession. 
we've just read um, in, in chapter 58 of, of Isaiah, verse 4, but also in Ezra 8.21, but also 23, it says, So we fasted and petitioned our God about this, and he answered our prayer. So fasting helps with intercession. Is it about changing God's mind, though? It's a question people often ask. Well, in Jonah, the people and the king are responding to God's threat to overturn Nineveh by fasting and clothing themselves in sackcloth and ashes. Uh, And they pray and turn from their evil ways so that who knows what God might do. So it's not a trying to change God's mind. It's a, if we perhaps get ourselves in line, back in line with God's ways, then who knows what God will do. And it says there in Jonah, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. It's interesting to note that they talked about sackcloth and ashes there, but you know, that wasn't a showy thing. That wasn't to show off to everyone about how holy they were in fasting. It was actually a recognition of their state a recognition of their inner sin situation that they wanted to display outwardly as a nation, not one to another. So fasting is also good for revelation. Um, Daniel, so Daniel 9.2, In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah, the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. His nation is going to be desolated, is going to be in in, in bondage for 70 years. So, he says, I turn to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. And while I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I'd seen in the earlier vision, came to me in a swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. And he instructed me and said, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. So if you want some revelation from God, seeking him in prayer and fasting is a good thing to do. Spiritual growth. Fasting. I've got something on my shoe. Fasting is, is a... I mean, Paul talks about buffeting his body. Um... Let's just bring two things together. So in Deuteronomy from the Old Testament, uh, it says in chapter 32, but Jeshurun grew fat and kicked. You grew fat, you grew thick, you are obese. Then he forsook God who made him and scornfully esteemed the rock of his salvation. So there's this guy in the Old Testament who, who basically le- lets himself go. But we're talking spiritually more than physically, Okay because he let himself go, let himself wander away from God. This is what Paul says, the opposite, in 1 Corinthians 9. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it, and everyone who completes the prize is temperate in all things. In other words, they don't overeat, they don't overindulge. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. You can grow spiritually as you focus on God in prayer and in fasting. But let's be absolutely clear. We're not talking about what my BMI is here. We're not talking about I need to lose weight. What we're talking about is who 
rules in my life? And who rules in my body? Paul clearly puts the things of God ahead of fleshly desires and links his loving pursuit of God to the kind of self-denial an athlete practices. There's an interesting thought there for us to think about. So, spiritual growth. We find we grow spiritually as we focus on God and allow his rule to come into our lives, even into our bodies. And then power. In the context of prayer, um, here's a quote from Arthur Wallace, who some of you may have heard of, uh, in his book, God's Chosen Fast. And he writes, fasting is calculated to bring a note of urgency and persistence into our praying and to give force to our pleas in the courts of heaven. It brings power to what's going on. So I'm just putting a clock down there. So I know I'm going to run out of time. Okay, here's my demonstration. This is my tactical torch. I use this tactically. Uh, We have ones exactly like this in our bags for festival pastors because sometimes we need just a kind of general illumination. And you can probably look at that without getting too blinded. Okay? need a general illumination. But sometimes we need to see what's going on. And then... You don't want to look in this now. (laughs) And then we zoom down and we can see what's going on in the woods and the trees, things that shouldn't be happening. Fasting is a bit like that. We generally sit under the wash of God's gaze, maybe. But when we fast and when we pray, we're asking God to focus, focus on some things and draw our attention clearly. We're also focusing on the things we want to draw to God's attention as well. So it's a practical way to do that. I'm rushing through some of these bits because I know some of you really want to hear some hows. Because you may not have done this kind of fasting before. And we're going to get onto those in just a moment. Because there's also a when question to ask. There's also a when question to ask. So fasting reduces the power of self so that the Holy Spirit can do a more intense work in us. I think that's important to know. When? Well, let's be clear. Jesus did say in that bit from Matthew uh, I read earlier, when you fast. So as far as Jesus was concerned, it wasn't necessarily an if, but it's a when. So it's a thing that happened. And he says uh, in Matthew 6, uh, 2, 5, and 16, when you give to the needy, do so-and-so. When you pray, give some more instruction. When you fast. So it's part of the general life of being in Christ. Giving, praying, fasting. So at the prompting of the Spirit, sometimes You'll be struggling in an area or something you want to see God move in and the Spirit will say, well, you should try prayer and fasting. Sometimes we will have a call in the church or wider, even in the nation, to pray and fast. And I say in response to a call, that call is is asking you to join, to join together in a time of prayer and fasting. That's what I mean. There's no compulsion in that. We're not saying you must fast or else. We're asking you to join together so that we as a body are coming before God with a common purpose and for a common reason. 
that we're showing, you know, that we as a body are serious enough to take some steps, some physical steps, uh, before God to deny ourselves. But of course, the, the 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 method of your fasting may vary from person to person. So we'll look at some of those uh, next. But really, it's about being joined together that we come before God, just as the nation did in Nineveh and said, we're going to fast because maybe God will do something different. Okay, let's go on to the hows. So it says in Matthew where we read that he fasted 40 days and 40 nights and afterwards he was hungry. So what does that tell us? that tell us that Jesus fasted from food. Yeah, exactly. Was he thirsty? No. So he still drank. So he fasted from food. So there's a confirmation there of that period of time. Some people think that when when it says Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, there was some kind of supernatural fast of a kind that only Jesus could do. But actually, the facts say otherwise. There are three different kinds of fasting in the Bible. And we'll come to that kind of complete fast later on. But this fast is, the fast of Matthew 4 is what you might call a normal fast, which is to fast from food. We know Jesus wasn't thirsty. And in fact, later on, when we read about how the devil tempted him, the devil didn't tempt him with drink, but with food. So the fact that he's hungry at the end is, 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 is perhaps significant, even if it isn't blindingly obvious. But the fact that he was hungry tells us something really important, because after starting a normal fast like this, as in starting a fast from food, the first day or two can actually be quite tough. Who knows that? Yeah? The first day or two of stopping eating can actually be really hard. And you do get those cravings, and your stomach may even growl a little bit. So those first few days, one or two days, are particularly hard. But after a short while, those feelings of hunger actually go away. And people who've fasted for longer than a few days will tell you that. And in fact, people who do go on things like hunger strikes, they actually don't feel hungry anymore. They don't desire food. Something else changes in the body. And it's only when your body reaches a point of using up all of its reserves and it's starting to actually cause damage to your body do you start to feel hungry again. And now we're not talking about, oh, fancy a bacon sandwich. We're talking about hungry. I wonder, have any of us ever felt hungry? in that kind of way. In our Western world, it's not a common experience. We have an appetite. We fancy something to eat. But hunger is something different. So I think we can be fairly sure that the medical evidence would support that Jesus was able to fast for 40 days. And some of you may remember, historically, for most of you, Um, For some of us, we were alive at the time. Some of the hunger strikes that went on in the 70s um, for prisoners in Ireland. 
even further back like that. Gandhi was went on, on hunger strike. Um, and it wasn't until like the 40 days on into the 50 days when it's really dangerous. That's, you know, you really have to worry about the lives of those people and irreversible effects have set in. So we shouldn't be frightened to fast. We shouldn't be frightened to fast for a reasonable period of time. But you need to understand for yourself what that reasonable period of time might be. So that's a full fast. Then there is a partial or Daniel fast. And we read in Daniel 1 that he, when he fasted, he abstained only from delicacies. He abstained from meat and wine. That might be fasting from chocolate for you. I don't know. But it had a deeper significance for Daniel at the time because the meats and the wine that he was offered came from the king's table and those foods had been offered to idols. And so what Daniel is doing is setting himself apart from what the the nation he'd been taken into captivity were trying to do to him, which was actually to remove all of his religion, all of his faith in God, and change him into a Babylonian. So he's fasting from that. But this is the kind of fast which... um, Have I got any things on that? Possibly not. There we go, normal fast. Okay, the partial fast, the Daniel fast. So this is the kind of fast where you give up on particular things. It's You might live exclusively on one type of food for the duration of your fast, bread and water. You might have, you know, you might forsake all meat and become vegetarian for a while. Um, and it's in great, it, it's really valuable where circumstances make it impossible or deeply inconvenient to undertake a normal fast. So perhaps in, in normal working environment or normal life, it might be easier to say, oh, I'm, I'm, I've given up meat for Lent than it might be to say, actually, I'm not eating anything because people can understand that. And so you can then fast without making a show of it. Do you see how useful that can be? And it can be just as challenging. Janice and I have done a Daniel fast. And if you like your sausages and your bacon uh, and your steaks and all those lovely things, it can be a challenge. There's only so much um, meat substitute you can eat. (laughs) It doesn't require any less discipline. But it can also be used as a stepping stone onto a normal fast. If you find that you're able to fast for a, a considerable period of time by giving up meat say having a vegetarian diet for 40 days through Lent, that could be a stepping stone to say, I'm going to try a normal fast next time because I've shown that my willpower is there. So that is good for that as well. Um, And so it's useful maybe for those who've never fasted for a considerable period of time before. If you think, I really want to fast through Lent, how can I do that? Well, there's a way. You could say, do you know what, I'm going to give up meat. Or I'm going to give up meat and wine. Giving up alcohol is something that people do regularly nowadays. You know, they have an alcohol-free January or something. Sometimes it's useful just to be able to know that you are in control of your desires and your appetites and your body, not the other way around. The other advantage of a partial or Daniel-type fast is that you can return to a normal diet easily. So if you've had a very long, full fast, you then have to be careful how you 
work your way back into eating properly. There's some other ways to do partial fasts. You might say, do you know, I, I will fast for one, two, or three days every week and do that week after week after week. So that you come back and break your fast after, say, three days. And then you, uh, and then you start to fast again. You might do a dawn till dusk fast where you don't eat during the hours of daylight. But one thing to be really, really careful about there is that you have your period of fasting, whether during daylight or one, two or three days a week or whatever, that you don't binge at the end of it. Now that may sound sensible, but do you know what? You're not actually doing very much in terms of self-denial if you don't eat during the hours of daylight and then as soon as the sun sets, open the fridge and everything goes down your neck. It's not what it's about. Don't forget, this isn't about dieting. This isn't about just just not eating for show. This is about an attitude of your heart that you mean business with God. And then there is the absolute fast. Now this is what it says it is. Total abstinence from food and water. Paul after his encounter with the Lord on the road to Damascus, says in Acts 9.9, and he was three days without sight and neither ate nor drank. Is that the only opportunity, or only instance? No. Esther, Esther 4.16, go, gather all the Jews who are present in Sushan and fast for me, neither eat nor drink for three days, day or night. My maids and I will fast likewise. And so I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. This is an extreme fast for extreme times. Okay? Three days. Notice how they're both three days. That's an important thing. You can't go, with it. You can't go without water for a long time. You will be very ill or worse. So here's a couple of extreme situations. Um, so in particular, Esther, she, you know, she's going to go to the king. Mordecai's asked her to go and petition the king uh, about what's going on. And she knows that actually you don't do that. A, you don't decide to go and see the king. And B, you don't ask him for stuff because both of those occasions mean he'll just strike you down dead. So she needs to know that God's with her on that. So those extreme times, three days. We might also think, well, what other situations, uh, what other ways might we fast? From what, from what might we fast? Well, if there's something which is, is like an appetite in you, or which maybe you find is a little bit controlling in your life, there's a good thing to fast from. So here we are in 2019 now. What could we be thinking about? Social media. <laughs> yeah, she says. Have you ever fasted from social media? Was it easy? No. That's a good sign. It's a good sign. Did you fulfill your fast? Excellent. Well done. Well done. Good. Every year. For how long? Yeah? It's good. Because we are caught up a little bit in some of these things. You know, and each of us, each of us has, has 
weaknesses or temptations or difficulties in different kinds of ways. And do you know, those might just be the very things that we can lay before God and say, I'm going to step away from this. And it could be social media. It could be we like our cake far too much. It could be alcohol. It could be any of those things. Um, do you know, there's something else there maybe that a partial fast from that would be more beneficial and would show God more that we mean business for him. And I guess we all know. I don't know who's, who's got, um, those of you who've got iPhones, I don't know, Androids do the same. They give you a report now of how often you've picked up your phone. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? And isn't it kind of, oh, down 3% from last week. Up 15%. You can start to get a bit more information as to how much these things are controlling our lives. But let's just think perhaps about what that means to me and what that means to you. If you've never fasted in this kind of way before, do not set a wild target. If you've never fasted for more than a day, please don't say, I'm going to take a full fast through the whole of Lent. Okay? Why not try a day or two a week and see how that goes? If you've, you know, if you've never fasted from anything for a whole, for the whole of Lent, think of something that's going to be significant to you, but also something that is going to show you mean business. So it's not just an easy thing. Could I fast from chocolate for all of Lent? Would it be easy? Do you know, I never tried fasting from chocolate for all of Lent. I don't know whether it would be easy. I've had a whole month when I've given up on alcohol. And, you know, there's sometimes when you think, oh, I wouldn't mind a beer now. No, I'm not going to. But, again, this is about you and God. So it's not just about, oh, I need to lose a bit of weight. It's not about any of those things. And I would suggest also that you pray it through and see how you believe the Holy Spirit is leading you to fast. So don't just pluck something out of the sky. Pray about it as well. Also, talk it to someone you're close to, another Christian friend. Talk it through with them, your spouse or, or, or prayer partner. So think long and hard about how this is going to work and how it's going to work for you and how you're going to implement fasting. And don't forget... It's not just about stopping something. It's what what you do in its place. And that's why it's prayer and fasting. So it's to focus your mind. So it's not just about, I'm not going to have chocolate for these next 40 days. It's, you know, I'm not going to have chocolate, but that's going to remind me to pray day by day by day. Now, there are a few things we do need to talk about. Um, Some caveats some no-nos and some things to be concerned about when you're choosing your fast. And there are some people um, who should probably never fast without some better supervision, some medical supervision. If you are physically emaciated, now we're talking about somebody who is very, very, very underweight here, okay? If you're physically emaciated, you should be really careful about how and for how long and whether you choose to fast in that kind of way. If you suffer from general weakness, or certainly if you're anemic, please do not fast for 40 days. Please talk to your doctor and or, or talk to others, other healthcare professionals who can help you decide how best to fast. 
And then some other more general um, condi- medical conditions, if you've got tumors, if you have bleeding ulcers, um, other forms of cancer, blood diseases, or recently suffered a heart attack, please, please do not fast a full fast. Find a better way. Um, talk with your, your, um, your healthcare professionals. Say, I want to do something like this, but what can I do? Here's an interesting one, though. Oh, pregnant and nursing mothers as well. Sorry, they're, they're here on my list. Yes. Uh, if you're pregnant, you need to look after your baby. And if you're nursing, you need to look after yourself. Um, because nursing is a, a negative energy situation. And if you don't eat, you will soon be unwell. Fearful. Here's an interesting one. If you are fearful of fasting, if you're afraid to fast because you don't understand the benefits or what to expect or you have doubts or negative emotions, please do not start a fast under that situation. Talk a bit further. Talk things through. Talk things through with prayer partners and so on. Until you become sure that God is calling you to fast. God won't call you to do something you're fearful of, genuinely fearful of, but will enable you and empower you to do the things he's calling you to do. And then just kind of generally, if you are, oh, we'll get on to caffeine, generally if you have any serious questions about your health or under any physician's care, then you should consult your doctor before you abstain from food or seriously change your diet. So this is a practical, some practical tips. So caffeine, do have to say, if you like your coffees and your tea, please don't say, I'm going to give up tea and coffee and caffeine tomorrow. Um, be very careful about that. You can do that, but you need to know that you may well have a severe headache for a few days. Okay? Has anybody experienced that? Yes. Okay. So it may be that if you're going to fast or fast for a few days that you don't drop caffeine unless you're going to do it carefully and know what's going to happen. Okay, so if you do decide to give up on caffeine and those headaches come, just know that's the reason for that. Or maybe just gently, gently ease off the caffeine. What does that tell us? Caffeine is more of a drug than we think. More of a drug than we think. So those are some practical tips uh, on, on fasting, some things to be aware of and concerned about. But let's just summarize what we're really doing here again, because this is the important thing. When we fast and pray, we are humbling ourselves before God. This is really important. God is God. You know, we could easily, easily just lose sight of the fact, you know, when we, well, Jesus, yeah, Jesus is my friend and my savior. He is my brother. He's all of those wonderful things. But God is God. Let's be really, let's really acknowledge that if we want to do business with God, we need to know what that relationship is. I celebrate, I'm sure you do, celebrate again and again and again that God, through his son Jesus, has brought me into his family. And I'm a member of the kingdom and he loves me and his compassion is upon me. And he is God. So we humble ourselves before God. Our prayers are in some way boosted. 
Well, that's because spiritually we're more focused on what we're saying to God and our relationship with God, whether it's because we're making a demonstration to God, not the world, that we are serious about this, our prayers are boosted. And we see that in many places in the Bible. Also, we are receptive to God. You know, when you start denying yourself, when you start denying some of those appetites, it makes a bit of a channel open for God to speak to you a little bit more. Whether that's because you're setting aside more time for him, but in some way we become more receptive to what he's got to say. It also trains our body to be subject to our will, and that is no bad thing. No bad thing. It's really important that we know who's in command in our bodies. And it should be our will, our decision to do things, not our body's cravings. That's, that's the wrong way around. And it's also at our decision and our control. So look, if you think I'm going to set out on this fast and you find it's impossible, please don't feel failure. This is all under our control. It's your decision to start, to stop, to continue. All of those things are down to you. So, we will be starting at the beginning of Lent, which is Wednesday. Claire has put together, let's go right back to the beginning slide. Claire has put together a program of topics which we want to pray through going all the way. There we go. Um, and there are the issues. So look, broken hearts, strong minds, open eyes, broken walls, getting into action and coming clouds. There are so many of those about looking outside of ourselves, as well as looking inside of ourselves. And this, the whole reason behind it is behind putting out nets to draw in the harvest that God has. So it's about kingdom purposes. And so through the, the next six weeks, Claire is putting together an email that will go out at the beginning of the week so you know how to be praying. However you're fasting, there'll be guidance on how to pray. And then at the, the kind of end of each week, I know it's kind of only after half a week this week, at the end of each week on Sunday evening, 7 to 8 p.m. at Unit 11, we'll have a time where we'll come together for corporate prayer on those topics as well. So it's about joining together our own fasting, our own commitment to God, our own prayer through that time, regularly, through the whole 40 days, but also corporate prayer coming together. And so we just want to encourage you to join in that together. Father God, just as we close right now, um, we recognize, Father God, the the wonderful gift that you have given us, how you gave everything, you gave your son, how Jesus, you gave all that you had, how you came from heaven, how you came and and, and walked away almost from from all of that, that heavenly amazingness and came to walk here on this earth and suffer what we suffer and see life as we see life. And then you gave your life for me, For each and every one of us, you gave your life on the cross, suffering all of the, of the, the torture, uh, and the, just, just the horror of that act. You gave 
your life. But I want to thank you, Lord, that you rose again. Thank you, Father God, for for raising Jesus from the dead, that we might trust in him for our own lives. But right now, Lord, we want to come and give something to you. We want to come and, and, and put ourselves before you, to put self aside, to seek you in prayer, to pray to you for things, but also to allow you to speak to us in these various areas that, Lord Jesus, we might be stronger together, stronger with you, more about your purposes, know clearly the way you're calling us, and journey together as we seek to see your kingdom extended. Father God, help us as we do this in your name. Amen. Amen.